Hello and welcome to Talking About Our Beautiful Savior podcast number 49. I'm Pastor Alex Groth. And I'm Carrie Groth, Staff Minister Carrie Groth. Yeah, it's a great day. It's Thursday. Yes. This is our new routine, recording Thursday in your office. Mm-hmm. I can look out my calendar. the window to the right and see a beautiful gray and overcast sky. <laughs> but we all put lamps in our offices, so now it's cozy. Yep. We all took care of the lamps in this wing of the building, (laughs) so there's light shining in the the darkness. Yes. Yep. Um, I put this on Facebook yesterday, but I like really like this story. I don't think I told you. So we were driving to school yesterday, and uh, older boy had memory work. Do you remember what his sim was for memory work? Beautiful Savior. Yeah, beautiful Mm -hmm. Savior. So we stopped at the stop line (laughs) at Hamilton and Kemper, (laughs) and we decided let's sing it. And I wish that we're singing it. And boy number two slowly rolls the window down. <laughs> and he rolls the window down. And he, he loves doing that lately. Like mm-hmm. since Yes, he, he's I, all about the window down. Yeah, since he found it, he could do that from his seat. He didn't know that. So we'll be driving, and all of a sudden, I'll just <laughs> hear the window go down. He rolls it down, and DJ goes, what are you doing? And Liam's <laughs> like... So they can hear about Jesus. It does. (laughs) Why wouldn't I roll the window down? And so, yeah, we're singing. And then we sing. And then the light turns green. And we're crossing the intersection. And Liam, as loud as he can, goes, Jesus is your savior. (laughs) Nobody heard, I don't think. But it was You never know. Somebody might have. Little little evangelist. Yes. So that's that's awesome. pretty, Pretty neat. Good job. Pray that he keeps that attitude. Because it's not easy. I think it's a little, a little mm-hmm. easier when you're little. You don't mm-hmm. have quite the same fears and emotions. You, mm-hmm. know, you get to be older, especially in high school and college, 20s. You just there's feels like there's more at stake. Well, and you realize just like how different your beliefs are than everyone else's. Like mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah. wow, that does sound kind of crazy. Yeah, it's funny. Like, like like Liam is incredulous now that anyone wouldn't believe. Right. In, like how could they not? think jesus is great yeah and then is, yeah you get older yeah. and you're like yeah there's a lot of people that don't think jesus mm-hmm. is great and you understand on it from a human you know, standpoint why they do so that fits with our theme for today which is a church that takes up its crosses you know that the church that god wants is one that doesn't hesitate to see the difficult things that come with following jesus denying ourselves we follow jesus so let's get to our sunday school lesson first which is not not a very common one it's the praying king if we're talking about the praying king, that's a tough question. Who do you think we're talking about? What Are we guy? Talking about Hezekiah? Yes. Did I tell you that? Yeah. Before? Oh, okay. I told you. So I thought you. Just well, you mentioned really it offhandedly. So Hezekiah is one of the few good kings in Israel. This is Southern Kingdom right now. So we're talking about Judah, but the Israel, Southern and North. You know, whether it's Samaria slash Israel or Judah, they just you've taught Christ's light for how many years? I mean, you've taught like about a bunch of bad kings, mm-hmm. Ahab, and just tons of bad kings. Um, Hezekiah's different. Uh, Hezekiah was much like King David, in a way, who was, I mean, that's like 300 years before, 250 years before uh, Hezekiah lives, but he's he's compared to King David wow. in the sense that he is a man after God's own heart. By this point, Judah and Israel had really fallen into the worship of false gods like Baal and Asherah. Do you remember what was, what was unique about the worship of Asherah? Um, I, can I say it? I don't know. I mean, it was a, a pole. The, oh. the Asherah pole. 
Yeah. So, I mean, these were both gods that they believed would um, give them kids, gods mm-hmm. that would bless them with crops and stuff like this. So rather than worshiping yeah. the true god, who had literally given right. their ancestors food on the ground and, and like, caused quail to, you know, let's worship these false gods that no one's ever seen before. And no appeared with like thunder and speak. lightning. And, yeah. yeah. So let's worship these gods instead. Pull. So there's all these altars to these false gods, which is crazy. You know, this is God's nation, and there's false idols everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so Hezekiah goes through the land wow. with his, you know, people, his army, smashing the false altars. Wow. And one of the things we get from this section that's interesting in a sad way. So do you remember the bronze snake? Yeah. You know, when the, the people had gotten bitten by snakes in the um, poisonous snakes in the book of Numbers. Yep. And they cried out to God for help. Nice. And that's God had Moses put a bronze snake on the, the pole, and they mm-hmm. looked at the bronze snake, trusting in God, and they lived. So they had that bronze snake left over, and they started to worship it. Wow. They called it Nehushtan. Hmm. What does that mean? I don't know. It's a cool, cool name for a snake. Yeah. So they, another sad moment where here's this thing, God clearly gave them this thing. Right. Now let's worship the thing rather than the God who gave right. it to us. So. And it was, I mean, when he gave that to them, it was like, look at this thing and remember, mm-hmm. you can trust me. So you see how easily our sinful nature gets confused yeah. and has its vision clouded by the thing rather mm-hmm. than the God behind it. Earthly treasures. Yeah. So he, he shatters that bronze snake. Sorry, Nehushtan, you're shattered. So Israel's main rival at this point, other than um, the northern kingdom, was a country called Assyria. And Assyria was known for being a military power yeah. at the time, just being really brutal and ruthless in what they did to their enemies. So Assyria comes in, and they've already they've already taken the northern kingdom away. Like they, that's you know the southern kingdom we think of Babylon, the northern kingdom we don't think as much about, but Assyria is the one that basically came and ended that northern kingdom and took them into exile too. So now Assyria has its eyes on the southern kingdom, and. Hezekiah's got to figure out what he's going to do. So Assyria and its its king Sennacherib come to Jerusalem, where Hezekiah has its palace, and they basically they're they're stationed there, and they're making it clear to Hezekiah, like we're going to take the southern kingdom from you, like we're going to take over Jerusalem, and you guys are done. And what Hezekiah does in a moment of weakness, he tries to pay them off. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what he takes from? the temple to try to pay oh, off. Oh dear, I do not. He strips the gold from the doors Wow. and uses that, okay, Assyria will pay you if Whoa. you'll just leave. So now he's had this very weak moment and Sennacherib was like, no, oh, we got your gold and we're not leaving either. So he has um, his some of his trusted advisors go outside the walls of Jerusalem and what they say to the people hearing is awful. You know, they, they curse God told the people it was hopeless to trust in him basically like you know you they don't understand either they, they know that so these are the leaders the leaders of wow. assyria uh oh, okay. they they know that they, they misunderstand so they know that hezekiah has broken all these altars mm-hmm. and they, they they go to the like the wall and they're like you dummy you just you know what kind of god is going to support Whoa. you now that you broke all of his altars <laughs> so it's kind of like that is super interesting yeah you know, so they don't understand quite Clearly, that you know, Hezekiah is taking down these altars for a reason. It's like, you know, your God's going to abandon you now because you, you made a man. Wow. And the, the Israelite leaders, Hezekiah's advisors, are on this wall. They're listening to this, and they, they beg these guys, can you speak in Aramaic, not in Hebrew, so we can understand you can get your message across. But the poor Israelite civilians don't need to hear all this. And 
the Assyrian guys are awful and they double down and oh, say boy. even worse things in Hebrew and make sure the people listening. Wow. So they, they promise anybody who renounces the God of Israel and gives up, it's, you're going to have this amazing life in Assyria. So just mm. give it up and we'll, we'll let you live. Whether they were serious about that, we don't know. So Hezekiah gets this report. Uh, he goes into the temple, puts on sackcloth. Mm-hmm. Sackcloth, we would describe as kind of like... Burlap, I Burlap, think yeah, of. like a burlap bag. Well, Itchy, like, uncomfortable. Yeah. It's just not... It's it's a special clothing, you like rags, kind of. Just you'd it's, wear it to show your sorrow. Right. Your contrition over sin. So he goes in the temple and humbly asks God for help. He sends messengers to Israel's prophets to ask for guidance. Who do you think is the... Who's Hezekiah's main prophet at this point? Do you, do you oh, guess? man. I'm terrible with timelines. It's tough. The, the, the timeline of the Old Testament is tough because it's not like the books go necessarily right. in... Chronological order all the time either. It's uh, Isaiah. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Nice. <gasps> Sweet. So the prophet Isaiah responds with an answer from God. The Lord would send the Assyrians away and destroy their king. And if you actually go into, this is Second Kings 18. And that's Sennacherib is the king? Yeah. Okay. You, it, it, God's words back to Hezekiah are amazing, which is like really cool because, you know, Hezekiah has shown this moment of weakness. Right. Like he has not trusted in God. I mean, trusting God, but not to save them from this. And Isaiah, if I remember, comes back and says, this king won't shoot an arrow. He won't raise a sword in Jerusalem. He won't even set up his siege ramps or anything wow. else. Like, it's not it's not going to happen. It's not even going to start happening. Don't worry. So the king of Syria, meanwhile, receives reports that another enemy is approaching from the south. Uh-huh. The king of Cush. Yes. So another Who enemy is yeah. mm-hmm. coming up to face him. So he sends another letter to the Israelites another harsh forceful letter he's like he wants this to end like i got other business going on here i need this israelite thing to be done so trying to force their hand by you know sending them this this letter and just like you need to give it up you need to stop so hezekiah again goes to the temple takes the letter spreads it out this letter from sennacherib and prays again appealing to god's power and reputation he's saying god if if you let us be destroyed what will the people around us think of Mm -hmm. you um, similar to what Moses had said when he was yeah. praying for Israel back in the book of Exodus. Um, God responds to the letter, the long message assuring Hezekiah of his serious defeat, and he has heard this mockery and he's not going to let it stand. During the night, the angel of the Lord destroys 185,000 Assyrian soldiers, and that, that's it. You know They have to retreat, and later on, Sennacherib is killed by his own sons. While he's worshiping wow. a false god in, oh my in this false temple, so it goes from Hezekiah and the people kind of shaking in their sandals as they listen to you know this kind of crude talk outside mm-hmm. the walls to like there's not Just even a meaning. battle, yeah. There's nothing. There's there's nothing Assyria even does to Israel because the angel of the Lord comes in and directly intervenes. Wow, one hundred eighty-five thousand soldiers is a lot. That is a lot. It's a and lot to be stationed was it there during the night. Yeah. And it's, so yeah, 185,000, just, you know, angel of the Lord just takes care of them. Wow. Wow. Some of the, the teaching concepts here, um, as Hezekiah suffered consequences of failing to trust in God, I mean, he lost face here. Um, yeah. And he's cost himself some anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, how does that, what a friend we have in Jesus, oh, what, um. Need we often, or oh, what. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Yes. I mean, Hezekiah is a good example of that. He goes needless through all pain. of this ordeal needlessly if he would have just prayed to God initially. You know, he, yeah, but, and it has a good ending anyway. Uh, what a blessing it is to know that God actually instructs us to pray to him for help. Mm-hmm. You know, that God wants <laughs> yeah. us to talk to Here's him. Here's what you do. 
Yeah. We've talked about that before. The how many celebrities, athletes are will you never talk to because they have layers of you know security and right. PR people around them, assistants like. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't. It's not as important to me to LeBron talk. LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to reach LeBron James for the last 15 years, <laughs> and he will not return you to my not calls. Reply I to your emails. I just have some ideas for some cool dribbles he could do. <laughs> I think he would really like the ideas I have. I've been working on some dribbles for him. Uh, no, I just so I mean even just people, fellow people, fellow sinners on this earth. Yeah. And I think there was a point in my life where I would have loved to talk to one of the Packers quarterbacks. If mm-hmm. I could just talk to them, that would be amazing. Yes. I'm never gonna probably talk to any of the Packers quarterbacks. Don't say that, Alex. Oh, thank you. I won't but give yeah, up on right. my dreams. But God, actually, the Almighty God, who's not a person and is not a sinner, wants us the to holy, talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then just the idea of prayer is powerful. I think we can often in our weaker moments feel like what's the what's the use of prayer. Either like, God is already going to do what he wants to do, so what's the point of praying? Mm-hmm. Or I pray all the time and it doesn't feel like anything changes, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not going to do it. But here's a good example. You know, Hezekiah prays and God hears and responds. Right. God doesn't promise that he's going to respond to us that way, but he does promise he hears our prayers and will answer them in the best way possible. Yeah, and so like, you know, it's like God is inviting us to mm-hmm. like, hey, let me know what, you know, it's on your heart. And yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I think sometimes our prayer life suffers. I'll admit sometimes my prayer life suffers when I'm busy. Yeah. And I don't like it. It's just, but it's it's easy to get caught up in the doing of things and trying to solve the problems myself. Yep. As opposed to, no, I got to stop and, and pray about this thing. That would be the best thing for yeah. me to do right now. Yeah. To express my trust in God and to take my cares and concerns to Him. And that would... You know, that's what he wants me to do. Mm-hmm. Hey, Martin Luther just, I don't remember the exact quote, but he just said, I, I have so much to do. I cannot imagine um, starting my day without two or three hours in prayer. Wow. And it's just like, you know, yeah. you think that's that's counterintuitive. We think I've got so much to do, I don't have time to pray. And it was like, like I have so many things to do. That would be the first thing on I your list. I must pray so that I can do it all right. efficiently wow. and well and focused on God. What a great reminder. Okay, uh, let's go into, so remember the theme is God wants a church that takes up its crosses. We see that in our first lesson from Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is, do you remember his nickname? The Weeping Prophet. The Weeping Prophet, yeah, because he had a hard message to deliver. He did not want to. No. And God compelled him to do it. And weeping because he knew most people wouldn't listen to him. Yeah. That comes out in this section. Uh, But in this section, he says, Lord, you understand. Remember me and care for me. Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long-suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. So this is a prayer. This this fits with the Hezekiah. And Jeremiah is praying to God and saying, you you see how I suffer down here. You suffer too, God. We we know what it's like together to to suffer and be rejected. So avenge me. Those Mm -hmm. people that would be causing your ministry harm, notice it but this this next verse i really like when your words came i ate them they were my joy and my heart's delight for wow. i bear your name i've always liked that picture of um god's word being like, like honey internalize it, yeah. yeah i don't know I'm not yeah sure that's what, what i pictured too like honey from a honeycomb because yeah. in songs i don't really like honey yeah you've never tried honey from a honeycomb obviously honey, you know because <laughs> i have not either every saturday morning <laughs> i go out into the woods and i find a honeycomb <laughs> and i eat it all you don't know me at all. I guess not. This mm-hmm. is news to me. I don't like it, but I do it every 
Saturday. You probably do like honey because we have had honey from a honeycomb. And I do. I mean, I when we were my vicar year, yeah, we had that, that family that uh, had that really, I mean, they were like beekeepers. Yes. And their honey was amazing. It was super amazing. cool. It was amazing. Yeah, so I take it back. Honey's yep. good. But I guess that's not what I'm thinking of here. I think probably of a donut. I think my favorite... <laughs> Favorite food is a donut. See, but I think crunchy. So, like, are you gonna have when your word? Yes. When your words came, I ate them. So you're thinking, oh yeah, like something a real raisin bran crunch, yummy. Yeah, like your favorite veggie puffs. No, your favorite is the chocolate checks. So something like that. I do like chocolate checks. It's like the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And good for you because it's cereal, right? (laughs) But yeah, so even as Jeremiah is suffering, he says, "I your word came and I ate it. And it was my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name. And it's he, the reason he's suffering is because he bears God's name. Right. And then he says, it's my joy and my delight to yes. bear your name. Yes. Um, and that, it's just interesting how Jeremiah goes back and forth. I never sat in the company of revelers, never made merry with them. I sat alone because your hand was on me and you had filled me with indignation. So he's saying, you... Because you compelled me to be this messenger, people did not want to hang out with me. Mm-hmm. Why, why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. Oh, man. I think, I, I think because he knows God is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you can and you will mm-hmm. solve this. So, yeah. like, come on. Yeah, and I'd, I've said this before about the Psalms, and I the same is true about these prophets that are going through it, is the the good and the bad. Like, yeah, your word is like honey to me, but I am alone, and you you it's hard are right deceptive, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah, fix this. I love that. I love mm-hmm. the good and the bad when that's expressed in the Bible. Now, so Jeremiah funny. is not, we would say, okay, you're, you're, it's nice to see his honesty here, but, you know, you can't, you can't speak to God like right. that. Um, but this is this is how God responds. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. So God is saying, like, it's going to get worse. Wow. And it's the isolation, I think, is something, you know, back to when you're little versus when you're older as a Christian. When you're little, again, you probably don't feel the isolation for being a Christian. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, once you get in your teens and your 20s, it really starts to kick in. Yeah. Especially depending on what kind of schools you go to. If you're surrounded by other Christians, then, yeah, it's it's the norm, hopefully, to, you know, listen to God's word, trust it, do what God says is you know to the best of your ability. But if you don't, if you're surrounded with, by people that don't share your faith, which at some points we need to be, right? right? I mean, Absolutely. how can we share your faith if we're just in the Christian bubble all the time? But then you start to realize, oh, if I'm going to live out my faith, I'm, if I'm going to take up my cross, it's going to mean... This is getting real. Sometimes I will be alone. And I think, we've talked about in the podcast before at different times. If, as, for me, especially it was at work, when I would express my faith or people would find out that I was... It was always interesting, like people would ask when I was going to high school. And when I told him, I go away to high school. Okay, why? That's weird. Why are you living in a dorm in high school? Well, I'm thinking about being a pastor. And it was like, okay, is this going to be the end of this relationship I have with this coworker? And like, okay, I'm going to avoid that guy. Or is this going to start a conversation where I can maybe talk about what I believe? And, and you how probably got it to made me. fun of, I would think. Not yeah, sometimes, bit. sometimes yeah. I did. Um, yeah, people thought it was weird that I'd want to be a pastor, and you know they. They would talk about things, you know, that they were doing, and I would not, you know, 
I wouldn't be like you're you're really bad for doing that, but I wouldn't you know join in necessarily. And it mm-hmm. was it was clear I think to them that not I didn't at all feel better than them. I, not at all. Right. You know, I, I knew my sin, but it was clear that I was like you know the, with the isolation Jeremiah's talking about. I think you and I have talked about you feeling that before, especially you know your first years in college before mm-hmm. you went to MLC, just feeling mm-hmm. very isolated. And that's what Jeremiah is feeling here. And then God says, I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue and save you, declares the Lord. I will save you from the hands of the wicked and deliver you from the grasp of the cruel. So I'll make you a bronze wall. Yeah, that's awesome. I think I preached on this for um, a devotion at district convention one year. So, I mean, it's it's that too is kind of good and bad, right? He's right. telling him it's not going to get easier, but I'm going to make you strong. And fortified, so the people are going to come at you, and they're going to push back on what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But you're going to be a wall, and they won't be able to knock you down. Wow. They're going to be mad at you, and they're going to curse you, and you're going to be even more alone than you are now. And they're going to throw you in a pit and put you in the stocks, which are things that happen in Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. But you won't fall down. Wow. So it's an interesting answer to Jeremiah's prayer. Like mm-hmm. I'm so alone. It's going to get worse, buddy. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to make you strong to handle it. Yep. And I think that's. That's our prayer too. Is we, we sometimes want God to make us make our sort of isolation or persecution is a strong word. I, know, I think we we don't always use that a lot as Christians today because it's not like you know outward persecution. Yeah, it's more cultural. You yeah. know, feeling feeling different. So God, please end that. And God says instead, "How about I make you strong enough to handle it and be a wall?" Which is it's good. Yeah. Take up my cross. Be a wall. Be a loving wall that, that speaks yeah. the truth in love. And yeah. sure does feel better than when you're cowering and, yeah. you know, in shame. Yeah, or even giving up the faith. Right. You know, because, you know, I I don't like this pushback from people, so it's easier just right. to go along, to get along. And, and if, if that, that means if that means I'm not a Christian anymore, so be it, because I just don't want to deal with yeah. this isolation or criticism. Yeah. So God help us all be a bronze wall. And let people hear our words and believe them. Mm-hmm. The gospel is the reason why the theme we have the theme today. So this is, if you remember, just after Jesus has asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And mm-hmm. Peter has said, you are Christ, you are the Messiah. And Jesus says, God. you know, that's the perfect answer on that confession of faith. I'm going to build my church. So Peter is probably beaming at that point. Like, over the moon. Looking at the other disciples like, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what Jesus said? <laughs> Did you hear what he said about me? Did you hear? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Can you say that again? What, really what, what, what will you build your, your church on, Jesus? <laughs> can you say it for, for the back? You know, Judas is way in the back. Can you say it so you can hear? <laughs> so he's riding high. Uh, but then, just a few verses later, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must Die. go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life two and then, must this is the way it has to be is that when peter's like no you can't do that is that what his response is mm-hmm. that's the next verse peter took him aside and began to rebuke him never lord he said this shall never happen to you so incredibly interesting that just a few verses after peter has said you're the one you're the chosen one mm-hmm. you're the one god sent here jesus says you're right and this is what it's going to look like this mm-hmm. is how it has to be. It must be this way. I must be betrayed. I must be railroaded in the courtroom. I must suffer. I must die. Yeah. That's 
it has to be this way. And Peter's like, no, I don't want it to be that way. Stop talking. This like, is a you're loser the Messiah. Talk. You're supposed to be my idea. Yeah, I mean, Peter, like the rest of the disciples, had heard from so many rabbis, you know, over the years of their life that the Messiah would be a political Messiah, mm-hmm. would finally free them from, you know, they had been, <clears throat> you know, for a thousand years, the Israelites have been, as a consequence of their walking away from God, the Israelites have been tossed around. Yeah. I mean, they've been tossed during the era of the judges. It happens during, you know, like we just talked about with the Assyrians and the mm-hmm. Babylonians. Um, the Persians kind of come and help them get back on their feet a little bit. But then if you keep going in those 400 years between Malachi and Jesus' arrival, I mean, it's like they just get dominated by yeah. all these different groups that are walking across Israel on their way to fight somebody else. And Israel just becomes this battleground. Wow. So for a thousand years, they just have not, they've, they haven't had peace in their land for an extended period of time, and they've, they've been just rocked by all these different countries. And so that that's what they're looking for, is someone to restore them to the time of David when we were a world power. Which and we sense. said, you know, I mean, we said this is yeah. how it's going to go. And so that's what Peter has in the back of his mind. And Jesus says, oh, I got to go die. And Peter's like, no. stop, stop <laughs> yeah. talking. And we kind of understand. And I think we looked at this in our staff meeting too on on Monday, and I just was thinking about this from Peter's perspective. Like, what has Jesus done for Peter at this point? Like, he healed his mother-in-law when it looked like his mother-in-law was going to die when she was sick. He's done countless miracles. Like, he's so loving and kind and he's a good teacher. And so for him to say he's going to die, Peter's like, that doesn't, this doesn't compute. This doesn't fit anything that I believe the Bible says about the Messiah, and this certainly doesn't fit what I've seen. Because if you die, you die. Right. If you die, what does that mean for me, mm-hmm. essentially? So he has his own ideas about what the church should look like, and Jesus has just flipped that on its head. This is the church God wants, a church where Jesus literally takes up his cross, and Peter said, I don't want that. I don't want Because he didn't understand that. it, yeah. yeah. So then Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So... Jesus calls him Satan. Why? Well, I mean, he like that would have been a massive temptation to like I don't want to go die. Like I'd rather not get mocked and beaten and you know, like my reputation completely ruined. Like it'd be nice not to have to die. Mm-hmm. Um and so to have one of your closest friends be pushing you in that you know yeah yeah yeah, don't do it yeah um he needed him to be like no yes this is the mission let's do this Mm -hmm. yeah i think um in matthew 4 when jesus is tempted by satan in the wilderness yeah just bow down to me and all the kingdoms of the world will be yours it's Mm -hmm. you know the devil's main goal is trying to stop jesus from getting to the cross because jesus did not have to do this right i mean unless the only reason he had to do it is for us. Because he said he would. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is to rescue us. This, if the world was going to be saved, this is right. the way it must be. Yeah. I was thinking sometimes when I'm on like a long run, or if I know I like have to get up early to go on like a workout or whatever, and it's any excuse <laughs> will do. You know, it's just. So like, you ask me if you should go. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, I haven't done that for a while, but it used you to used be to like, all the time. Yeah. Like, the alarm would go off and be like, "Oh, do you think I should go?" And you'd be like, sometimes you'd usually be like, I'd be like, sometimes you'd be yes. like, yeah, so you should go. You'll regret it if you don't. But other times you'd be like, no. 
Only once in a while, when I thought you were going to, like, fall over dead because you were so tired. And I, that's all I needed was someone right. to suggest okay. that I don't, don't go. I mean, when, right. when that's, something's that's difficult. That's the only thing you needed. Yep. Yeah. If you have someone, if you don't want to do something and someone else you love and trust is Agrees. telling you you don't need to do it, then it's like, yeah, that's all it But I, I did steal. say, no, do it. You'll be yep, glad you did Plenty of it. times. More often than not, you told me yes Thank to go. You. And I did. I did appreciate that. <laughs> So Jesus speaks so harshly because this is the salvation is at stake. Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. You're acting like Satan. You're getting in the way. Yep. Um, why is it great that the Bible records this interaction? Because like we see we see just Peter, you know, completely like doing the opposite of what a believer in Christ, a follower of Christ mm-hmm. would do. Um, and being reprimanded for it and then seeing Jesus's love and compassion like immediately you know right after yeah like he never he makes mistakes he has really high highs and low lows and it's like Jesus's love remains the same mm-hmm. yeah always yeah. always there so okay. even after Jesus has to reprimand him here I mean he still loves and forgives Peter uh, if you remember what happens in Matthew 17 eight days later Jesus is transfigured before Peter yeah to, you know, just show him. Where like, Peter gets another. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Peter still doesn't quite understand. But, yeah, I mean, he's showing him, like, I have to die, but, like, this is who I am. Right. I'm choosing to die. Yeah, and what a comfort, like, mm-hmm. for Peter. So then at the end, you know, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? It's so simple and so difficult, you know, but it just makes so much sense. Like the following Jesus is the only thing we need yep. in this life. And to ever put that in jeopardy is the dumbest thing. Right. right? I mean, it's, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? To do anything that would put my soul in jeopardy to pursue money or fame. Relationships. Relationships. Yeah. Like we talked about, like. I'm going to give up my soul so that people will like me. Right. My coworkers will like me. When you look at it as simple as it really is. Yeah. No. And sin, it's not worth that it. sin makes us dumb. Yeah. I mean, wisdom is saying there's nothing that's worth putting heaven in jeopardy. And sin's like, but have you thought about this? Right. You thought about yeah. maybe giving up and not running the race and not following? The cross is so heavy. Why don't you mm-hmm. put it down? It's like, Everyone well, if I put is, it down, yeah. put it down like that's. The whole thing yeah. is my relationship with God is the thing. It's it's heaven. It's all the blessings God promises on this earth. And then, yeah, the blessing of heaven. So, yeah, what if you would forfeit all that? Have you thought about that? And it's like the, the, I, the fact that sin even for a second gets us to right. think about that is remarkable. And that's why, like, it's just so amazing. Like, the moment you sit down and read your Bible, you're like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that. Of course. Right. Yeah, this is, this is the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have a picture on my old computer uh, that had this verse, Matthew sixteen twenty six. Um, what good is it? Will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And it was, I don't know what city it was, but it was like that verse was superimposed over like a downtown area. And I always liked that picture. I just was like, it's just perfectly all represented that, all yeah. the glitz and mm-hmm. the riches and success culture of this world. It's like, yeah, you could pursue all this. Yeah. And forfeit heaven, and what have you gained? Right. Then you die, and that's it. Yeah, you've given it up. And now take up your cross and follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. And when we fall short, when we do get distracted by sin, I mean, Jesus died for that too. Right. 
uh, what's the song? Jesus, I my cross have taken. Okay. Jesus, I my cross have taken, all to leave and follow you. Destitute, despised, forsaken. You on earth once suffered too. Perish every fond ambition, all I've ever hoped or known. Yet how rich is my condition. God and heaven are still my own. That's, a, that's an old hymn, but it's a, a classic for a reason. You know, I've given up everything. I'm destitute. I'm despised. I'm forsaken. Like Jeremiah. I'm alone. But hey, guess who knows what that's like? Jesus. Jesus. You on earth once suffered too. Um, so every fond ambition I have, everything that I've, I've hoped or known in this world, perish the thought. Get rid of it. Right. And yet... Like maybe this would bring me happiness. Mm-hmm. And yet how rich is my condition? Mm-hmm. God and heaven are still my own. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so like everything earthly, that's good. If mm-hmm. it, if we got that taken away. Yeah, yeah. We are rich. You think of the widow the widow putting her mite yep. in the treasury during Holy Week. You think mm-hmm. of Job. We just went through Job last night in, in teen group. You know, the, the Lord is given, the Lord is taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Yes. Think of poor Lazarus in Jesus' parable, you know, that dies with nothing but the dogs, and he's in heaven. So, yep. and just focusing on heaven really, really, mm-hmm. really, really, like 50 really impacts our mood right now. Absolutely. Yeah. It solves everything. Like, it solves, it's not, it doesn't solve the thing. Mm-hmm. It's, well, it does kind of, but it solves your ability to, yeah. like, be okay and happy and, mm-hmm. and content and joyful and successful I guess yeah. too in a yeah. way, like in a way of like being a person mm-hmm. <laughs> all right final question what emotions fill your mind when you think about taking up the cross you want to go first or second um you can go first okay <laughs> um there's some negative emotions like I don't want to do this mm-hmm. um reluctance I just I think about the what what does taking up your cross look like for different vocations, right. different people. I think sometimes for me it means doing and saying hard things I don't really want to really do. Really hard things. And they, they vary. I mean, uh, it's not I'm not going to pretend like my job is like every day I'm fighting um. this terrible battle. I'm not. I'm not. That's not. That would be an exaggeration. <laughs> Being a pastor is super super yeah. fun. Um, but I was thinking the other day I was like I'm I'm serving a vacancy in Dayton. And they've, they've got a list of people who haven't been in church for like two years. So I'm slowly working my way through, you know, visiting them, going to their houses and knocking on their doors, and cold not calling, knowing not knowing yeah. what to expect. And just the walk from the car to the house it's is like always real. like, <laughs> here we go. Am I going to I'm not, it's not something that I look forward to. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, you just knock on this door. You're not welcome there. You're not invited. Right. And to just be calling someone back. I mean, essentially my presence there is a preaching of the law. Right. Like, you're not at church. Why not? And I'm not coming, I'm not coming down harsh on them. I'm not saying anything to them other than I am... Outro. You're in just the present. I'm serving the vacancy here. Right. Uh, I would you? love to help you. I leave my contact info. Just can I, can I bring you communion? That's that's all I say. I just want to be mm-hmm. in their life right. for a little bit. But yeah, I don't want to do that because yeah. I don't know that anybody would really want to do that. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm gonna go welcome rejection. Mm-hmm. The or ask for it even. <laughs> the, the two visits I did on Sunday were actually really good. Both people answered the door and were really friendly and promised that they would yeah. follow up with me, and that felt really good. Two weeks before, I'd done the same thing, and uh, I was walking up the driveway, and I could see the little 
you know, the blinds moved, like, they, they were oh, looking out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Classic. And, yeah, I waited at the door for, like, probably three or four minutes. And yeah. the, the dog, there was two dogs inside barking, <laughs> and I think they let the one dog outside. I think to try to intimidate me a little bit, like, like, <laughs> like because it was a huge dog. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not leaving. Cause sometimes I get stubborn when that stuff happens, too. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not afraid of your dog. <laughs> but, yeah, so I stood for, like, a good four minutes until it felt really awkward, and then I, then like, I left. Like so, Charlie Brown walking away. No, I just, I I figured they were watching me, so I tried to look cool. (laughs) But inside you felt like, why am I like this? (laughs) No, I didn't try to look cool. Yes, you did. We both know it. I strutted away. (laughs) Um, No, so There was one time, I mean, and this would have been for someone who had never been to church, like, as far as we know. But you were like, I mean, you were threatened. Or there was like a sign, like. Oh, out in yeah, there's been a couple or... times where people have threatened me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that was yeah the first the first time I did door to door canvassing here. There was I came up to a house just on the road here, and there it was spray paint. The house was in terrible condition, and spray painted on the garage it says "Not vacant. I will shoot." Oh, did so you go up and knock? I did not. I decided <laughs> to skip that one. I figured they didn't want to go to rally day, so moved right along. You know it's funny. Jasper yeah. will never listen to this. So Jasper Sona, <laughs> who was the vicar before me here, uh, we were both canvassing that morning. And and he, I lost track of him for like 15 minutes. Like you normally when you go canvassing. Like I know what go, he was you doing. Go to, like, you go in pairs. So just in case anything happens to you, you know, somebody else will know. And I lost him. And I was like starting to freak out a right. little bit. Right, maybe like, someone took him. Where, maybe he where is the, he? The non-vacant Yeah, maybe, maybe somebody grabbed him even though he's like 6'5". You know, maybe he got kidnapped. Can I tell him what he was doing? Do you remember what he was doing? Yes, absolutely. How many years ago was this? Twelve. This was twelve years ago. Okay. Yeah. He w- he went to a garage sale. Yeah, be it stuff. And at he a was, garage sale. he purchased some Land Before Time. No, it was things. He bought a bunch of seasons in the office. Of the DVD. office, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. But so, I'm sure he charmed whoever was there. Yeah, with, probably. They definitely came to church that next. The Sunday. gospel message. Yeah. yeah. And he was so. Then the rest of the time we were canvassing, he was holding like a stack of like Office. ten DVDs in his arms. So yeah, sorry Jasper for selling you out there. That's funny. Um, we're a little far afield now, but uh, just yes. the yeah reluctance is sometimes the emotions I feel with taking my cross, which yeah. I think is natural. It's your sinful nature saying this is going to be hard. Don't do it. It's mm-hmm. Jeremiah saying I don't like this. I'm alone. But also some stubbornness. I mean, just the sense that, like, yeah, God has made me a wall. You know, that I'm not, I can do this not because, like, it's in my personality. Right. I can do this because God, God. God is the one pushing me. God is the one that will be with me through this. God yeah. is the one that is going to bless this as he sees fit. So, yeah, there's some stubbornness and also some joy. You know, just that God count, counts me worthy. Um, yeah, not because of me, but because of Jesus, he counts me worthy to take up my cross and follow Jesus. You know, I always, like, had a lot of, like, I, at, when I was younger, the thought of, like, boasting in Christ, I couldn't really wrap my head around that. Like, what, what is God, what does God mean by that? Like, mm-hmm. what, like, because boasting, is, you know, you yeah. equate that as, like, a negative thing, right. but boasting in Christ, like, whoa, like, now I get it. Yeah. Because he is so good and he's so awesome. Yeah. And so right all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Like, I can freely boast in Christ. Like, in in so when I take up my cross, like, it's like you just, you have the victory already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't lose. Really excite me. I, yeah, Jesus is on my side. Mm-hmm. Any other emotions? Yeah. Um, when I think of taking up my cross and following Jesus, um, I think just, like, gratitude just rushes into me. Like, yeah. 
just complete gratitude because I know how like backwards that is. Like I, I deserve punishment and yet here I am given the opportunity to help other people Mm-hmm. believe in Jesus yeah. and get the same salvation that I didn't earn mm-hmm. by any means. Like I pushed it away. Yeah. Um, and like God is so compassionate. Like he, he, it's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like that he gives me that, yeah. that honor, you know? Yeah. It's so it's, cool. It's stunning. Yeah. Um, humbling. Yeah. And then confidence, um, mm-hmm. because like he, I, I mean, Jesus is on my team, you know, yeah. like that's right. I'm not going to fail. That's the reason I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're over 40 minutes. This ended up in being a long one. We should mm-hmm. wrap it up. Yeah. So we'll report next week. So by the time we record next week, the boys will have gone through their first ninja gymnastics class. Ooh. I would love to see what they are envisioning in their head. I am excited. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They watched it. It's that, really interesting they how. They watched that Ninja Kids YouTube channel. And those kids have been, like, doing gymnastics since they were super little. Right. Those kids do, like, flips, <laughs> and they, they do, like, the uneven bars, and it's awesome. So I'm just imagining, especially Liam's, like, imagining like, himself. I'm going to do this in two days. Yeah, like, like <laughs> leaping off something, like, flipping times in the air, like, landing superhero style, just looking up so, like, They showed me a car wheel, and I was like, ah. Yeah, and they say instead it's going to be, like, just very <laughs> slow <not>. somersaults. <laughs> So, yeah, next week we'll tell you how Ninja Class went. Okay, bye. Bye.